Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And we're back for another week of Pro Football Talk here on the Pro Football Show, part of Landry Football's conference call. Here every day talking pro football as well as college football on the College Football Show. So you want to make sure that you check that out. And of course, you want to make sure that you check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest uh, in detailed film room analysis, uh, evaluations of pro and college rosters, um, evaluating of coaches, a look ahead to the 2021 draft, recruiting. We got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com in depth. So that's where you want to combine this, listening to this podcast with a membership there. It's less than $5 a month, and we give you access to a pro-style and college-style scouting department. You are the owner, and you can get access to information. It's not just a website subscription. It's an access to pro and college information from a veteran pro and college scouting staff. So you want to check us out at LandryFootball.com, our scouting season offer. And uh, also want to check out our great friends, friends at 401K Generation, who bring you this podcast each and every day. They are the experts in financial planning, whether it's 401Ks, IRAs, anything in between. Uh, they are experts in really 401Ks, which is why they're called 401K Generation. But they are the experts in financial planning, understanding what your goals are, where you are, what your needs are. They can help you reach those today, and they can help you regardless of what state you're, lis- you're listening from or calling from. Uh, they're licensed in all 50 states. So give them a call or give them a text even at 1-866-998-5879. You can learn more about them at LandryFootball.com by <clears throat> going to 401k Generation. It's a link to their website. And, of course, remember to make sure that you're getting this podcast each and every day to your cell phone by signing up. For Landry Football's conference call. And if you got a question like uh, Richard and Lance do, and we're going to address those in a little bit, go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, and let me know. We will be glad 
to address it here. And it's also where you want to go to get all the latest information um, about where, you know, to go if you are interested in branding your business or yourself. We can help you do that. Go to Landry Football's conference call. Send us a note, and we'll get in touch with you really quickly. So the latest news, the biggest news of the weekend was the signing of Andy Dalton to Dallas. More on that in a minute. But I will make a mention that as we're getting ready to figure out how this season's going to play out or how it's going to start or the likelihood, you know, certainly no one knows anything because it is not something that can be uncovered inside the world of the NFL or the world of football. It's something that's going to be decided uh, above that. It's from a governmental, from a health standpoint. It's looking good in terms of being able to put things in place to get the season started. But as I mentioned over on the college podcast, the one thing that I have questions about, and I don't know, concerns or fears or hope, I'm like everyone else. I want things to get back to some sense of normalcy where people can be healthy, people not be afraid. Uh, This is under control. Maybe people can act, you know, if anything else, maybe be a little bit more conservative, a little bit more um, smart about dealing with social interaction. But by the same token, have some, some, some sense of normalcy that will allow them to go and have the enjoy the freedoms and, more importantly, just get back to their work, get the economy back. But get it back healthy. Where it's not just a healthy economy, but a, a healthy um, situation for us to where we're not causing the whole problems with our health system and we're not causing undue health issues for our citizens. So let's hope that we are on the way to that. As it relates to football, my concern or my questions are just mirror what is going on in society. As I mentioned this on the college show is when we come back, do we have the steps, the procedures in place to allow us to stay back and to not have to start over again and and to not put us back in the situation we're we're with several weeks ago. Uh, That's a concern. I do believe, just based upon how things are done in the NFL, there's much better organization. And, of course, you've got only 32 organizations that you're dealing with. But there's real organization, a one-for-all, a put-all-the-heads-together-and-work-in-unison. Um. All those things are in much better shape in the NFL. You're also dealing with pro players that are making money, owners that are making money, television networks that are making money. And you can see a scenario where if players have to be sequestered to allow this to work, they're in better position to do so. Much easier to handle than a college campus atmosphere. But I don't know how this is going to work out or how it's going to play out. But it is something that at least is on my mind as it looks like we're working towards opening up some states. And I'm hoping and praying every day that uh, 
that's going well and that's getting controlled and that we're getting life back, maybe not just flip the switch and we're going to go normal, but at least working towards it, but also in a healthy way that's not going to cause us problems a week or two from now. I'm hoping the same thing applies as we're starting to hear some schools talking about this and that. Now, the NFL's been staunch that, look, we're we're not opening up our facilities until everybody in each state is allowed to. And when the last team can open up, when it's when it's safe for the last team to open up, that's when everybody will open up and not a day before. I, I think they're looking at it as you're going to have to do things virtually and we're going to have to shoot for training camp. And let's hope, again, that once we open up training camp, that there are measures in place that the medical officials from the organizations, along with the health experts, the the epidemiologists, have a plan of how we're going to do this to prevent the spread. Because that is, how do we deal with it? I mean, it's hard to believe that you're not going to have a player get it. College, the NFL, I mean, it's just normal. It's just... You bring people back together in a close environment that is football, where you're in each other's space so closely, it's not possible to not have somebody get it, and then, of course, it not spread. It's going to happen. How do you deal with it? I'm curious to see and hopeful that that plan will be in place so that we can move freely with minimal setbacks and go forward. Now, one thing that the league, what I understand, is we're, we're now going to find out here later this week, the league schedule. I mentioned last week that October 15th is kind of the perceived deadline to get started and still fit a 16-game schedule in. I think they like to do it and not have the big delays and the setbacks and all that. That, that. that would be disastrous. One thing I am told that is not going to happen, and I don't know when they're going to announce officially, maybe as early as this week, don't expect the league to play the international games. The Wembley Stadium and Mexico City games just don't. I don't see there's any way they can go forward with this. I think that that's going to be adjusted, and again, to the home sites and all that, but those are not expected to happen. So that's kind of the update. No, it's not much of one. There's no information, and we're going to react to it on anything that we hear. But uh, certainly your thoughts on um, on that, uh, certainly welcome that as anything. Uh, the other biggest news of the weekend, of course, is the Cowboys signing of Andy Dalton, formerly of the Bengals, to a one-year contract. He had some interest with some other teams. I know Jacksonville had a strong interest. I know the Jets had some interest, believe it or not, as a backup. He's set to earn $3 million guaranteed in 2020 with incentives that can get him up to $7 million. Unless Dak Prescott gets injured, he's not going to He's gonna collect a $3 million, then become a free agent next season. So um, Cowboys now have some quali- you know, qu- you know, quality insurance to back up Dak Prescott and with the Cooper and Gallup and Lamb, they've got some good receivers and a chance to have a pretty good offense. So be uh, it's certainly an interesting move and one that they 
if you followed us on LandryFootball.com in our notebooks, it was something that we were forecasting with the information that we had was that it looked like it was a cowboy lean pretty early and often in that, and it ended up being the case. Some other transaction news uh, around the weekend since we last spoke on Friday. The Bucks re-signed offensive tackle Josh Wells to a one-year contract. The ex-Jag made 13 appearances last year, including a pair of starts, one which came at left tackle. is not very effective. Uh, the fact that the Bucks left Wells off the market until May makes it clear that he's going to have a hard time uh, making that 53-man roster, but we'll see. The Chiefs signed Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson. We mentioned that that was pretty much agreed to, but it's done now. Good opportunity for that young man. Uh, of course, had problems with accuracy at Michigan. Of course, uh, came from Ole Miss. Um, but, you know, it, we'll see. Certainly got some ability, some movement skills. Uh, I just think the poise accuracy issue is going to make it tough for him to land the number three job in Kansas City. But maybe he can do enough to perhaps get on a um, practice squad. He does have some athletic ability. There's no question about that. This guy uh, can can really move. So he's a project, no question, for uh, this Kansas City chief offense. It's loaded with talent and really understands how to incorporate some of the college elements into the pro game. Uh, some fifth-year option decisions over the weekend. The Bengals de- declined the fifth-year option on wide receiver John Ross. The, um, uh, you know, T. Higgins is coming in and second-round pick, and uh, Ross has just had not really good numbers. Uh, he's the ninth overall pick. He struggled to stay on the field. He's a speed guy, no, no doubt. Can run really fast, but just not been um, – you know, just not been real um, productive, not a very good route runner. He is what what we thought coming out in the college scouting report. And uh, is see what he can do this year. But they have opted not to to exercise that fifth-year option. As the Bears have declined the fifth-year option on their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, they, uh, his attitude um, – He's been good. He's worked hard. He's taken the right attitude since they've acquired Nick Foles. So it's going to be an an open competition, um, and we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I, you know, right now I think it's Foles' job to lose. We'll see if Trubisky could end up uh, winning it. Uh, time will tell. The Lions declined the option on uh, Gerard Davis, the linebacker, taken 21st in the 17 draft um, the year before Matt Patricia was hired. Uh, it's off-the-ball linebackers had minimal impact. Um, just one interception, five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Um, not been all that productive. Hasn't graded out all that well. Um, the uh, Some more of that news. we got Jacksonville declined Leonard Fournette's fifth-year option. That was not a surprise. Uh, he was on the trading block. Uh, they're they're going to move on from him and they're going to get what they can out of them this year. And so, you know, Leonard Fournette's playing for a contract somewhere else next year. So we'll see how he'll do. Uh, the Chiefs, meanwhile, signed, signed tackle Charlton, formerly of the Dolphins and Cowboys, to a one-year contract. He's been waived by both the Cowboys and the Dolphins now. Um, we'll see if he can get anything done in Kansas City in a situational role. The Bucks claimed... 
kicker Elliot Fry off waivers from the Panthers. Um, going to compete with Mac Gay, who made only 77% of his field goals last year. Hadn't kicked in the regular season game yet. It's a question mark in his own right. We'll see how that plays out. Um, the Broncos declined their fifth-year option on Garrett Bowles. Again, a surprise, uh, not a surprise there. Started three seasons for the Broncos. Pass blocking has been really poor. It's not graded out well there. Um, lots of penalties, lots of mistakes there. Uh, and they're obviously trying to upgrade and worked in this offseason to try to upgrade their left tackle spot. The Titans signed Ibrahim Campbell, formerly of the Packers. Defensive backs bounced around the league in recent years. Special teamer, box safety, uh, reserve guy. Expect the same role the Titans if he can make it 28 years old. The Jags signed Chris Thompson, formerly of the Redskins. He'll be rejoining Jay Gruden, who's now, of course, the offense coordinator with Jags. Averaged 3.4 yards reception uh, per game over the last five years. Um, so you've got, uh, you know, Thompson and Armstead and Ozebo behind um, Fournette. So uh, that's kind of the lineup in Jacksonville at running back. Um, the Bengals re-signed defensive tackle Josh Tupo to a one-year contract. Made seven starts at nose tackle in 19. 29 combined tackles with three tackles for losses. He's been only a rotational player, but um, is a really affordable cost heading into his um, 28 uh, 20, excuse me, uh, his age 26 season. Uh, he can play in the rotation probably 25, 30% of the snaps if he can earn a spot there. Uh, the Packers signed defensive tackle Trayvon Hester, originally selected by the Raiders in the seventh round of 17. Uh, notched 40 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, fumble recovery across 41 games with the Raiders and the Eagles and the Redskins, 27 years old. Um He's uh, now on the 90-man roster, and we'll see if he can earn a spot. The Niners declined uh, the fifth-year option on Solomon Thomas. Um, No-brainer, obviously. It's, uh, exercising the option would have given him roughly $13 million in 2021. He'll hit the open market as an unrestricted free agent next year, um, unless the has a breakout season and Niners sign him former number three overall pick in the 17th round. This is one of the defensive linemen that they've drafted over there that hadn't quite worked out. So he'll continue to be a rotational pass rusher, see what they can get out of him. And obviously they drafted, uh, you know, uh, very, very high and and, um, I thought in a very good move um, getting Javon Kinlaw made a lot of sense, and the the depth that they've had, they've moved one guy, brought one guy in, and I think that they'll continue to try to be a deep team up front defensively. So look for them to adjust that going forward. But this will be likely Solomon Thomas's final year in San Francisco. The Titans exercise Adoree Jackson's fifth-year option for 2021. Uh, the Titans, number 18 overall pick in 17, now will make $10.2 million dollars in the fifth and final year of his rookie year. He missed final five games with a foot injury last year, but a strong showing. Um, did a really good job, graded out well. He also had six pass breakups, 45 tackles across 11 starts. Um, Going to be the boundary corner across from 
Malcolm Butler, Jonathan Joseph, and Christian Fulton is going to be the look on the other side. They did decline the option, fifth-year option on Corey Davis in Tennessee. Yeah, he'll settle for $8.1 million on the final year of a rookie deal before becoming an unrestricted free agent. Um, just turned 25, not really lived up to expectations. The fifth overall pick's been a real disappointment. Um, A.J. Brown, you know, he's just not developed at receiver. A.J. Brown, uh, maybe a simple change of scenery is going to be what's needed there, but just hasn't hasn't quite got it done there, Corey Davis. Deion Sims announced his retirement, the veteran tight end, uh, with the Dolphins and the Bears, has had some concussion issue. He's called it quits. And the Falcons acquired defensive end Charles Harris from the Dolphins in exchange for a 2021 seventh-round pick. Um, now the organization will have um, 20, 72 hours to decide whether they exercise the fifth-year option for 2021. So it's nothing more than a shot in the dark for the Falcons who acquiring a former number two, 22nd overall pick from the 17th draft, um, due $1.9 million this year. So it's pennies on the dollar. He hadn't lived up to his expectation. Uh, the Falcons need all the help they can get. They've just done a very poor job of a, of making the moves, certainly in the draft, on edge rushers. Tack McKinley option was declined, so he's in his last year. Beasley's gone. Comiskey, I mean, they just not a whole lot there, and Dante Fowler was signed. So they are just trying anything they can in Atlanta to generate some pass rush. Another focus was on taking corner, looking at corner, and that was a big need, but so is pass rush just as big of a need and more impactful to how you play defense. Um, we talked about it on LandryFootball.com in the notebook, but the Browns tell me they're very confident that Jedrick Wills will be ready to play left tackle by week one. If you remember, Wills has got a lot of experience protecting the blind side, being the right tackle for a left-handed quarterback at Alabama, but it's still going to be a transition to a left-handed stance. Um, long-time right tackle Jack Conklin will flip to the left side if he's not ready, but that's kind of the plan right now. They think he can be, you know, eventually Wills is going to be left tackle, and Conklin was obviously signed to be the right tackle in Cleveland. Um, the Colts envision using Jonathan Taylor and uh, Mack as a um, – Marlon Mack as a one-two punch, and I think that's what they like. They, you know, I think they like Mack's vision and his ability to surge up in there. Um, I think getting Taylor in will, will, will certainly keep fresh backs in. I'm a big believer in that myself, that fresh backs really can wear down defenses, particularly late in games. Um, as you look at the landscape of the quarterback situation in New England, still very interesting. Um, it's pretty obvious, pretty apparent now that Jarrett Stidham is the guy that they're going to go with, at least at the beginning. I, I don't see Cam Newton as a fit. Um, and really, there's not the options out there. And, you know, so I, I think at this point, I don't, I don't see any real trade options that are enticing. So Jarrett Stidham, you know, I think clearly the guy at this point uh, that, that seems like uh, the guy they're going to go with and kind of build a team around him, um, try to work the tight end position and compress the formation, work the 
the horizontal passing game. Ball comes out quick, accurately. It's what they're going to try to do with the young quarterback. It's uh, it's pretty clear to me at this point. The Jets, as I mentioned a little bit earlier when we talked about Andy Dalton signing with the Cowboys, I know the Jags were very interested and the Jets were interested, but they weren't interested enough to offer a bigger deal or a better deal than Dallas was. And we know that Dallas's deals incentive-laden. Um it's interesting. Dalton is is going to be playing for a contract, but how much playing? It'll be quite interesting to see what he can do there. Um, some notes around the Steelers: they're looking to cut back the carries for James Conner. Uh, he's still the number one guy. They they just want to work in Benny Snell a little bit more between the tackles. Uh, McFarland is a you know a mighty might five eight two hundred ten pound guy that can run. Uh, Kareth White. Flash some big playability. They they want to reduce the carries again and make them a little bit fresher. Uh, have it more by committee in Pittsburgh. The Steelers probably are not going to sign um, uh, Al Villanueva at left tackle. Started all 16 games for four straight season, but he really played poorly in 19. Did not grade out well. Obviously, you're dealing with the quarterbacks. That situation was not very good. Holding on to the ball. A whole lot, but we'll see. He turns 32 in September. I think they see that that's a position that they need to upgrade, uh, and I don't expect him to be re-signed, um, and this will be likely his last year. They're not expected to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster as well. He had a bad season in his own right. Again, some of that has to be a contributing factor with the quarterback play. He was unable to stay healthy, though, and so you throw that in, but I, I do think that um, he's likely going to price himself out. He's just not worth what I think he wants, and I think they're going to move on uh, from him as well. In uh, Jacksonville, uh, their plans right now with second-rounder LaVisca Chenault, the big physical receiver out of Colorado who can really run, uh, they want to play him in a lot of different roles, some H-back, running back type stuff because he's such a good runner. Um, they want to do some things and, and move him around the formation a great deal. They like his ability with the ball in his hand. So, you know, with the quarterback situation, what it is, they're going to make sure that, hey, it doesn't have to all be downfield. Simple throws, um, reverses, screens, you know, formation adjustments, we're going to get the ball in his hands as much as we can is what they're saying about him. Um, the latest on Jadavian Clowney. Seahawks and the Titans have made offers, good offers to him. Uh, No mandatory workouts are in the near future. There's no rush for Jadavian Clowney to sign, nor is there a real rush for – I mean, you know, there's there's not missing anything at this point uh, a whole lot. He's 27-year-old. He's just not in a hurry to sign, trying to figure things out and get the best deal possible, maybe waiting to see – if he can get the money up a little bit, Art will just wait and see until proverbial camp start, and then we'll see if there's any injuries. Um, now, I mentioned with Jacksonville, I, I did mention that they were very interested in uh, in Andy Dalton. In fact, I know Jay Gruden was very interested, but I think the price, you know, they weren't willing to go any higher, as I mentioned. Um, I just wanted to throw that in there. And – you know, in Kansas City, it looks like Damian Williams is still going to remain the starter at running back. They, they, their plans with Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be to compete for playing time. 
Damon's been an offense for a long time. It's, it's very complex, a lot of moving parts. Good pass protector can catch the football. So it's going to be up to Clyde Edwards or to earn reps cause, uh, and take them away for him. Um, he's really, you know, I expect him to learn the third down role pretty effectively, and that's where uh, it's likely going to, going to lead with him. Want to get in today? I'm going to talk about the AFC West teams. We've been breaking down uh, the drafts um, for each of the teams, division by division. We'll do the AFC West today, the NFC West on Tuesday, the AFC North on Wednesday, and the NFC North on Thursday. We've already done the East and the South for both the AFC to this point. So let's get to the Chargers. Really interesting. Uh, Justin Herbert obviously was the highlight of the draft and is all sorts of arm talent. Curious to see what they do with him and whether he's got the mental makeup, that, that competitive edge to be great. You know, they all say it, but he's not been the guy that's exuded that type. I'm curious to see where they go with him and where he goes. Obviously, the Chargers traded picks number 37 and 71 to the Patriots for pick number 23. Uh, they drafted uh, Kenneth Murray, off-the-ball backer that they really like. That's so good in the middle of the field, so good playing the run and the short pass very well. Um, you know, Patrick Queen may have had a little bit more range. This guy's really, really good, though. Um, you know, um, Hill was obviously um, – K.J. Hill's really good value in the seventh round, uh, one of the steals of the draft. I, I think a guy that can help and make their team. So uh, let's get, you know, that that's where I'll kind of go in reverse, and we'll talk about him. K.J. Hill, um, pick by pick, we'll go through each of the players. Uh, K.J. Hill's a one-year starter in the slot at Ohio State. He really um, terrific possession receiver, does a great job underneath and inside. I think he's an ideal slot. I don't think he's he's average size. Um, he's got limited athleticism. I think he can be their Cole Beasley type of guy. Uh, at the 186th pick, they drafted Notre Dame safety. Uh, Aloha Gilman, 5'10", 200, team captain, competitive, natural instincts, um, not great cover skills, lacks bursts and top-end speeds that you look for in ideal safeties, but – Really good special teams sub-package player that can play over the slot, play near the line of scrimmage very effectively. Virginia wide receiver Joe Reed with the 151st pick. Um, you know, he's got real red zone skills, versatile, unpolished athletes, but got a lot of traits. Joshua Kelly, the UCLA running back at 112. Underrated back, of course, he transferred from UC Davis. Um, he's not a great tackle breaker. Um, he's a little bit older, but the guy was very productive, and I think he's a guy that can get some touches and maybe help in a, in a reserve role. And then, of course, Kenneth Murray, which we kind of alluded to, absolute a starting, you know, Mike Backer that can get guys lined up and get downhill in a hurry, can deliver a great pop against the run. Um, I think good leader on and off the field. Uh, I think a guy that can play. Not going to be getting, not going to be great in coverage, but underneath he breaks on the ball very well. 
And, of course, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's going to be the key to their draft. And if he's their starting quarterback, uh, this is going to make this draft, be, you know, look like a real, real good one or potentially a great one. The Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett and Lynn Bolden and Brian Edwards and Tanner Muse and John Simpson and Amik Robertson. Ruggs is a complete runner, runner, great ball skills. That doesn't have to be just a deep threat. He's a playmaker. Arnett was a bit of a reach. He's physical. He's an aggressive player, but he's not a great athlete and a little bit short-armed. Um, you know, was a little overvalued and overdrafted there. I think he'll be a good player for him. I, I think there are better players on the board. Len Bolden is is um, is more of a slash <clears throat> versatile I don't want to say gimmick, but a guy that you've got to utilize all he can do. He's he's good with the ball in his hands, just not doesn't have any polish as a receiver. They're going to play him at running back. He'll back up Josh Jacobs at running back and probably be used in a few different packages. I think Edwards has been really good. He found a lot of success manhandling college corners. Um, I think he's got a lot of ability, a lot of potential. Tanner Muse is uh, a linebacker in the NFL. He's got more than enough toughness to pull it off. Uh, Amick Robertson's a big-time small cornerback that's a little bulldog. Very productive slot corner. Um, like him a lot. Uh, I, I thought he was great value there at 139, no question about it. Feisty little nickel corner. John Simpson at uh, 109 for them. Thick frame, long arms, uh, quality run blocker. Um Got some upside in pass protection. Quicker guys are going to give him some trouble. Not going to be a high-level pass protector ever, but it, it can be functional. Tanner Muse at uh, 100. Uh, he'll bite on double moves. Uh, in overly athletic change in directions. I think he's a hybrid linebacker, special teams guy. Uh, he was special teams ace at Clemson, and I think he'll be uh, in the NFL as well and be a, a, a well linebacker. And the nickelbacker stay on the field three downs uh, in the NFL. Brian Edwards um, is a versatile guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got some production. He's got some speed. He's got some athleticism. Um, he's got some versatility. I think he can line up a couple of different spots. And I like his size at 6'3", 215. Uh, Len Bowden, we talked about the versatility there. Running back is where they'll play him. I'm sure they'll slot him out a little bit and maybe do some direct snap stuff. Arnett, um, you know, he's – look, I mean, a couple of things about him. He's an aggressive freshman corner. He's really good at the line of scrimmage. Not very polished downfield. He's 24 years old. He's had some character concerns. Um He's gotten a little bit better on that regard. But, you know, a guy that's not the biggest, not the fastest, not the most productive, that's a little bit older, that doesn't run all that well, to be picked ninth is a little bit surprising. Of course, Henry Ruggs is off the charts fast, explosive, and is obviously can change a team around. The Denver Broncos had an interesting draft. Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler receivers early, Michael uh, Ojemuda, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, McKelvin Aikam, Albert, um, Albert O, Justin Sternett of Wake Forest, Natane Muti, Tyree Cleveland, and Derek Tuska. 
Talk a little bit about them. Um, speed kills. Judy's just smooth, fast. Hamler has got a lots of ability to separate and make plays with the ball in his hands. A lot of drops, small catch radius. Ojimudo is going to be a big zone corner. Uh, Kuchenberry has got natural power in the run game, but really has poor agility in the pass game. Akeem flashed some as with his pass rush burst at Arkansas, but not a not an elite guy there. I think Muti has an ability to be an elite guard uh, in this league. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, Tuska has a great bend off the edge, but not great length or power. And uh, Albert O is a guy that's big, that can play slot. I mean, he's got a lot of ability, uh, just wasn't real productive this past year. But he's reuniting with Drew Locke. Um, they did sign Western Michigan running back Levante Bellamy as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's had multiple ankle injuries, but really good playmaker, really good runner that they signed. Uh, Derek Tuska is a really good-looking player, as I mentioned, just not overly lengthy or explosive, but at 254, not a bad pick at all. Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, special teams is going to be his key to make this team particularly a defensive end for this unit. Tyree Cleveland, the Florida wide receiver at 252, above average length, uh, had some drops and broken tackles, um, not as explosive, but got some special teams ability. It's lots of potential, not a lot of production to this point. Uh, Natane Muti, um, durability issues are biggest concern. He's a very physical, core, strong blocker. Um, he's got to streamline his technique, but this guy is a run starting run blocking caliber guard with, with, um, with some athletic limitations and biggest thing is his health issues. Um, Wake Forest, Justin Sternad is pretty good athlete, got some upside, uh, limited on field production. Um, I think he's more of a backup type player. And special teamer, I don't see him as a starter. Albert O is not going to be a great weapon as a pass catcher, but he's got great athletic ability. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does along with Noah Fant. Maybe they can play off one another. Malvin Ekum is 6'3", 309. Uh, he's got a motor, got athleticism, sound technician. Um, he can be a rotation guy for them. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry is a physical run blocker, uh, great strength and balance and awareness. Um, he could be a starting center in the league, but he's got some real limitations athletically. Um, it gives them some flexibility what they can do with McGovern and Glasgow, though. Um, Michael Ojemuda is um, played exclusively at right corner in Iowa's cover two scheme. Has the speed and the length to be a successful press corner. Um, maybe asked to start if Bryce Callahan isn't healthy. K.J. Hamler is a water bug guy. I mean, he's one from the slot consistently getting open. He's a Curtis Samuel type of guy with size limitations. Not great in traffic, not great catch radius, too many drops, but with the ball in his hands, he can be special. And then Jerry Judy is special. The most 
polished route runner without question uh, in this draft. Speed, smooth, he's got it all. And then the Kansas City Chiefs with Clyde Edwards are there and Willie Gay and Lucas Nang and Ladarius Sneed and Mike Dana and um, the Garius Keys. Um, Clyde Edwards Alaire is, is right there with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a little bit better athlete. Um, I would have gone with him, but I love Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um, and could have done the things that Clyde Edwards Alaire does, but, but probably a little bit better run skills to finish out games. But when saying that, that, that doesn't mean that Clyde Edwards Alaire doesn't have great run skills to finish out games because he, because he does. Um, Chiefs have one of the more unimportant, Impressive looking linebacker core in 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 the uh, in the NFL. Willie Gay gives him a a really good look. He's kind of a poor man's Isaiah Simmons, athletic, four four six and forty inch vertical jump, eleven four broad jump, six one two forty three. He's very very impressive. He's got some ability to rush the passer. Uh, like that pick a lot. Uh, Niang's pass set are very very raw. But he's got some natural ability. Dana graded out well at Central Michigan. Production dropped off quite a bit after transferring to Michigan in the summer. He can play the run, collapse the pocket a bit. I'm not sure he's going to be a complete player. They did sign Kalijah Linscombe uh, of Vanderbilt. Lipscomb at Vanderbilt. Um, doesn't run all that well. Backup type guy. May have a, will have a hard time making that Chiefs roster. Uh, they also signed Michigan's corner, Labert Hall, 5'10", 190. Um, doesn't play very physical, um, but he can run. We'll see if he uh, got an outside shot to make that team. The Chiefs signed uh, Missouri offensive tackle, Yusha Durant, three-year starter there. Can be a swing tackle. Uh, medical report was the big issue with him. Mississippi State, Darrell Williams, um, they signed him as an undrafted free agent as a guard. Um, got some strength. It'll be interesting um, outside shot at making the 53-man roster. Probably best shot is as a developmental guy. They did draft Louisiana Tech Ladarius Sneed at 138, co-captain at Louisiana Tech. Um, I think he's more corner than safety. Uh, but, you know, can play inside. Very curious to see if he can make that team, as is uh, the Carrius Keys, another corner from Tulane at 237. Uh, he's a real explosive athlete, 36-inch vertical, got length, got athleticism. Um, didn't get any stars coming out of recruiting, but the guy will throw his body around. He's a very good athlete. Mike Dana, as I mentioned, at pick 177, can be a rotational guy. Doesn't have great production. Nothing more than a rotational piece. Ladarius Sneed, uh, the defensive back from Louisiana Tech at 138, was the captain. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out again. I think he's he's a corner-type guy that can cover on the inside. Lucius Nang's quite interesting. Um, I, I think he's he's a standout athlete. He's had some injuries. Um but his footwork's very, very inconsistent, but his body control is very good. I think he could be a starting right tackle in time with development. Then Willie Gay, again, four-star recruit, highly recruited guy. Uh, he's only started six games in college. But this guy, you know, I mean, he's very raw in terms of, uh, you know, his vision 
and does a poor job sometimes staying on top of routes. But he chases, he hits hard, a lot of upside to this guy. And then, again, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a really good fit for them um, in terms of a back that adds another weapon to their offense. Uh, more power to them. They, they get it done. All right, let's uh, end it up with a couple of uh, questions here. Richard asks, um, can you explain how the supplemental draft works and have you take a play? uh, Let's see. All right, supplemental draft. Well, here's the thing. In July, we hold one supplemental draft for players whose eligibility has changed since the April draft. So a player cannot bypass the NFL, the NFL draft to be eligible for supplemental draft. Can't do that. If a guy has an issue that comes up, then he's eligible for the regular draft and he's allowed admission there. If something happens between that, there's a supplemental draft. So it's it's for players whose eligibility has changed since the draft. So. It means that players who are not able to return for their final seasons of college, you know, typically due to academic issues, failed academically, or their suspensions, so there's yet no place to go. Uh, to be eligible to supplemental draft, he must be at least three years removed from high school and entering his final year of college eligibility. So he has to be a guy that would be eligible in next year's draft. Okay? I mean, he has to be somebody that is three years from high school and entering the final year of college eligibility. So, you know, that's the real key. Teams don't have to participate. The way it works is you, if the players that are eligible, each player comes up, you basically put in a bid, so to speak. You offer a, you say, I consider taking this guy in the third round or the fourth round. Well, whatever pick you take, if you're the only one that offered a third-round pick, then he goes to you. But you have to give up your third-round pick in next year's draft. If multiple teams um, submit a pick for a given round and it's the highest round, then it goes to the guy that was the, the team that was higher up in the draft pecking order. And what they do is they take a tier. It's the first tier of teams with five or fewer wins from last year. The second tier consists of teams with five wins but didn't make the playoffs, with with more than five wins but didn't make the playoffs. And third tier, the playoff teams. And then there's they have a lottery between those tiers. And so, um, you know, you don't have to pick a player. But if you do and you get them, then you lose that corresponding pick in next year's draft. The reason why players are rarely picked in the supplemental draft is simple. Um, it's just that unless a player has a really a great talent, there's no real reason to go forward and do that. Um, here's the thing that's interesting, and I'll mention this. That's how the supplemental draft works. Let me just say this. Depending on how things come out, with any, let's say by July, if there's any indication that we're, and I don't think we're going to have a close the door on the college season by July. I think at the very least, hey, we may not start on time, but we still fully expect yada, yada, yada. But if there was any indication 
that there's not going to be a college season. You're going to see a bunch of players that would likely uh, submit for enrollment in the supplemental draft. Now that's going to be have, that's going to be taken on a case by case basis. Again, you have to meet the eligibility requirements that I just mentioned, and we're going to have to see how the league deals with it in conjunction with college football because they don't want to upset the apple cart of the NCAA. They're not going to back off of their requirements of a guy being three years out of high school. But if a kid can't play um, and is not eligible, we'll look at that. And I, I would say this, that if – what may be interesting is I don't think anything's going to happen by July, but if they decide later on that they can't play, then will they be some lawsuits to force consideration as late as August or September to have another supplemental draft? Would you consider doing that then? Do you? I mean, how do you? You know, a kid that can't play, it's October. It's, you know, now things are so bad that they say the college football season's over, we're shutting it down. You know, if it's something like that happens, then then there may be something that the the NFL may be forced to have a later supplemental draft that we've never done before. It's not something that they're planning or thinking about, but it's something that may be forced on them through a potential lawsuit. So I uh, hope that answers your question on what the supplemental draft is all about. So from 2010 to, to 12, the Patriots had one of the top offenses, which included the two tight ends, Gronk and Hernandez, which made the offense difficult to stop. <coughs> um, from the Patriots had one of the top offenses, which included two tight ends, Gronk and Hernandez. What made that offense difficult to stop? Well, because there were two outstanding receivers that were physical mismatches. It wasn't the formation as much as the players in the formation. Kronk made it difficult when he was there by himself. Um, Hernandez was an H-back that they could move across the formation. Anytime you have, to me, tight end H-back type weapons that can create mismatches, meaning they're athletically more gifted than a linebacker and physically bigger, can cause safeties and corners problems in coverage, those guys have great value. The other thing you can do is you can – you know, put them out wide, but put them in the slot and create matchups where you can work the horizontal passing game, and it's a lot easier throws to bigger targets. Got playmakers, and you take playmakers and correspond your style to the playmakers that you have. That's what made it effective. So when you got those guys and you have multiple of them, then that can make you special. And Richard asked, what was my scouting evaluation of Kurt Warner out of Northern Iowa? I can remember... Gave Kurt a 5-0. Um, you know, he didn't start didn't start a whole lot of games at Northern Iowa to the end. Uh, listen, I gave him a late-round pick, priority free agent grade. Reggie Wayne gave up really good grade coming up, 6-5. Um, and then Jason Gildon of Oklahoma State, I remember him. I gave him a 6-0 grade. Thought he could develop some as a pass rusher and did uh, – uh, it's kind of what I what I thought of them coming out, and then Lance uh, asked, um, 
He said he says he's bewildered at pitch the Steelers' poor depth at the quarterback spot beyond Big Ben, just coming off surgery and 38 years old. He mentioned that Duck Hodges and Major Mason Rudolph were pretty inept. Um, and he talked about Josh Dobbs and would he have been a better option than Duck and Rudolph? I, I thought Mason Rudolph was a better option than Josh Dobbs. I, I thought Rudolph had a little bit more going for him, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more accuracy. So I don't think it would have been a better pick. Um, and, you know, um, I mean, look, you mentioned that they invested a third-round pick in Rudolph. People say, well, if they invest a third-round pick, they're, they're going to give him more of a shot. Well, no, they'll give him more of a shot because they thought enough of him to draft him in the third round. I mean, if you think enough of a player to draft him in the third round as opposed to someone you draft in the sixth, you saw something in him that, you know, was unfinished, but you saw some ability there. So you're going to be more patient with that type of guy than somebody that that you thought was a late-round pick or free agent and doesn't show anything. You're not as patient with them because they basically fortify what you've seen. But somebody that you draft second, third round, you see something in them, you're going to be a little bit more patient with them, particularly if you see some of the things along the way. Mason hadn't paid off, and I agree with you. I think they're in bad shape. Um, Big Ben goes down. I think we saw that last year. Hey, appreciate you joining us, folks. And a reminder again to flip on over to the college football show, SEC Football and Beyond today, uh, ACC Football and Beyond tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll be back to break down the world of pro football. We'll break down um, the NFC West, um, AFC West today, NFC West on Tuesday. And we'll give you an update on all the latest going on in the world of the NFL. Make sure that you take advantage of the scouting season offer at LandryFootball.com where you can get all the latest inside information and analysis. We can't get to all of that here. We like to touch on it, but that's where you can get the full flavor of everything not only going on around the pro and college game, but the in-depth analysis and inside information That's where you want to go, at LandryFootball.com. For less than $5 a month, take advantage of the scouting season offer. We'll get you prepared for the season better than ever before. Uh, College roster analysis, NFL team roster analysis. Look ahead to the 2021 draft. Look ahead with the recruiting boards to 2021. We got it all covered for you, so check it out today. Also, give the fine folks at 401k Generation a call, will you? Uh, no obligation phone call or a text at one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. They're licensed in all fifty states. They are the experts in financial planning. They can guide you in the right direction. So reach out to them today uh, and tell them that we sent you one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you tomorrow and talk to you over on the college side. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.